VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. You're going to love this. Uh, we're dropping it the day of uh, day two of the NCAA tournament. So this, we recorded this during day one. Amir Abdurrahim, the head coach of Kennesaw State. We spent about hour and a half chatting. Again, this is the night before his first NCAA tournament game. And if, if you don't find yourself rooting for Amir and Kennesaw State at the end of this interview, then you actually didn't pay enough attention. Um, wait to hear his answer when I asked him how he felt about not getting the Georgia Tech job. Remember, he's from Atlanta, coached at Georgia Tech, coached it as an administrative guy with Brian Gregory, coached at Georgia, has built this Kennesaw program from one win to an NCAA tournament team with, what do they got, 23 wins? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Excuse me, 26 wins. 26 wins. But wait to hear his answer. And, um, uh, and, and you'll find out what, coach the reaction means you're gonna this is amazing um i do want to offer a quick thought and i'm a huge kihei clark fan you go back to the national championship year and he was a guy who was seen as too small can't shoot and yet they went and won a national championship but they didn't have kihei clark and of course he made that incredible head heady play uh in from the backcourt thrown to the front court to i think that forced overtime against purdue in one of the great college uh, NCAA tournament games we've ever seen. And what's what's amazing about yesterday's meltdown against Furman, the first thing is Furman's really good. The reason I picked Furman was I thought they were really good, really skilled offensively. If you can hit shots, you can make uh, occasionally make Virginia get out of out of self, if you will. But uh, to to kind of seal the game, and he wasn't the only one, but there were two consecutive plays in which he didn't steal the ball, but he was so tough and aggressive without fouling that Furman literally lost the ball twice. And Virginia had the ball, okay? They're, uh, they're up three, and he gets fouled. He makes the first, misses the second. They foul on a dunk attempt. They foul on a 50% free throw shooter, makes both. He takes the ball inbounds, and it isn't all Kihei Clark's fault. I don't like there's a lot of college coaches that have a lot of bad press breaks. And Virginia, I think, is one of them. I understand that you have three across. So when you throw it in and he catches it, you have the three options to throw to. And part of it is in terms of spacing, you always want to have 15 to 18 foot spacing. A guy catches it and you want to have three options. Okay? That way, if you get double teamed, you're not going to leave the guy in the back. And I think he probably misread it. And some of it comes down to that. He was small, but I don't like a guy just standing in the middle of a press with his hands up, nor did his teammates come back to meet the basketball. But at the end of the day, it's his fault. He choked. You get the ball, your fifth year player, a four year starter at point guard for a former national championship team. You got to know time and score and that you have a timeout. You were able to count to five worst case scenario. Up to eat the basketball. There's like two and a half, three seconds left to go. <clears throat> they got the ball out of bounds and you guys got to get a stop and you run them off the three and you make them take a tough two. 
if they want to make it into overtime. Worst case scenario. What you don't do is what he did, which is the give up. I'm just going to chuck it deep and hope the clock runs out sort of thing. And that's what he did. And then, of course, Furman not only gets the ball, but advances it and then hits the damn three. I mean, it's it's amazing. But there's so many teaching points from it. There's so many takeaways from it. I thought Furman went to his zone and probably stayed in the zone a little bit too long. Uh, I, I thought Virginia made some great plays that should have won them the game. I thought there's some things that went against them that were just unlucky. And as dependable as Kihei Clark is in that particular instance, he screwed it up. Uh, and then, and then you have Princeton who, uh, Full disclosure, Sky Etten. And if you want to hear a great pod, search in your queue for my pod with Sky Etten. I think it's a two or three parter. Uh, Sky is the defensive coordinator and assistant for Princeton. Uh, it was, it was his scout. And he told me the night before, like, we feel really, really good. We feel really confident. We think if we make some shots, you know, we know how to defend them. We're good enough. We're tough enough. They're not going to blow our doors off. We'll be right there. They didn't even make shots. They didn't. This is a shot-making team, and they didn't make shots. But they defended. And I thought Arizona was. I thought Arizona was arrogant. When I say arrogant, I just mean like they 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 just acted like they had the game won. Acted like Princeton was going to roll over. The guards weren't gritty. They weren't tough. We saw that throughout the year, and that rear re- uh, uh, totally reared its its head. And in a year in which Pete Carrill passes away before the season began. In a place like Sacramento, where Pete Carrill famously coached for the Sacramento Kings back when they were really, really good, that was an amazing moment. To watch Princeton take down an Arizona team who, like, the way you thought you could beat Arizona is if you just out-athleted them. Princeton didn't. They outfought them on the boards. They made just enough plays, and they got a ton of stops. That is impressive. Um. We can get to more recap of day one, and we'll do more after day two. But I thought you'd enjoy this. Amir Abdurrahim. Now, I've known Sharif since I was in high school. We were the same graduating class. Sharif's an amazing guy. Haven't gotten him on the pod yet. It's a goal. Um, But what I know about Sharif and the parts that I know about Sharif from my brother Greg being at Cal is he's about the right things. Um, I know why he left his G League head coaching job. I know that he got his degree while he was a superstar at in the NBA. He went back quietly. And also, I think he went and got his master's as well from Cal. Again, all while he's playing in the NBA. He's done some remarkable things. So I assumed Amir is the same type of guy. And I called some people and they're like, dude, Amir is the best. You've got to have him on the pod. So I had reached out to him uh, once before. And, you know, then they win the ASUN tournament, I'm like, man, ain't no way he's coming on. So now here's my sit down with Amir Abdurrahim. The night before, this is last night, if you're listening to this, the Friday of the first round of the tournament, the night before, they took on Xavier. What was what was Billy Kennedy like to play for when you're at CeeLo? Yeah, uh BK was the best, you know, and I think you know this background. BK was an assistant at uh, Berkeley when Sharif was there. So I know coach since I was 13. And so uh, he, when when I was coming out of high school, recruited me, like I had no scholarship offers. He was just going to take me 
on the strength of our family. Well, I, I ended up going to junior college for a couple of years at Garden City and uh, they they recruited me. They stayed they stayed true kind of to who they were. And so, man, when I got there, you know, Doug, like I they, they never told me the record the year before I got there. Like, so I just was just going to because the coach. Right. And man, when I got there, man, like he was the best. Like he gave me, you know, he gave me a ton of freedom, um, but he coached me at the same time. You know, like our first year we weren't my first year with him, we weren't very good. So I had a I had a ton of freedom. And I, I best best thing he ever told me one time, man, we're at McNeese State and he goes, Hey man, in order for us to win, you're gonna have to take bad shots, you're gonna have to take some bad shots, but we need you to make them. Right. And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, like, let's go then. Right. And uh, but then like the next few years, you know, the next two years, we got better. You know, we we got a little bit more talented. We got better players. And that's where, you know, um, honestly, man, I, I thought he was the best because he helped me understand that, you know, as your team changes. Right. You get better. There are certain things individually you're going to have to sacrifice. And. I've been able to share those same experiences with some of my guys here at Kennesaw and, and like, hey, man, I've been through that before. I get where you are, but, you know, now we've got to be there. So BK was the best, but it wasn't just the freedom he gave me, man, as much as, you know, how he helped shape me as a man, um, you know, how he helped shape me, you know, his wife, Mary, uh, and, you know, she literally does. She traveled to every game, I think, in 20 some years of him being a head coach, she missed one game. And I never realized how much of an impact that had on me till I had my own family and just seeing her on those buses and at the game supporting him, man, it was, and the dude has been the best example ever. He, man, he actually got here tonight um, and he'll be here tomorrow. So, and that's my guy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a special part about playing in college that people don't realize when you get the right guy and becomes kind of like a second father to you, it's right? just an incredible, Incredible, incredible bond. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you though? Like your like Garden City from it, you know, from coming from Atlanta, right? You go to Garden City and then yeah. southeastern Louisiana is in where? Uh Hammond, Louisiana. It's like in the middle of New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Okay. Which is not yeah. not terrible, right? It's the, you, you, no, it's, it's an not, upgrade, not, from, not, upgrade from Garden City. <laughs> No disrespect to Garden City, but there's a lot of places that are upgrade from Garden City, right? Right. Jayhawk Conference, great junior colleges. No doubt. Okay, but 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 an upgrade. You get done, okay? Big bros in the league, okay? But yep. I know education a huge part of your fam of, of your of your family, your background. Yep. What was the decision yep. like? Did you immediately say I want to coach? What was the decision like and what you want to do? Doug, it's crazy. You know, like any kid that plays in college. You want to go try to play overseas, right? Well, right. I mean, you know, my dad, man, he used to always say to us, you know, we can plan, we can plan, but God is the best of planners. And man, July, July, you know, early July after I get done with college, man, I'm in a workout one day at Sharif. He had this gym built onto his house, and it had rained the night before, and you know, we didn't realize it was a leak in the ceiling. And I go to cut; it's water on the floor, slip, sprain my MCL. So. I'm I'm on the shelf for six months. Well, or I'm sorry, for six, about six weeks. And man, like, make a long story short, like, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. You know, so I knew, you know, I had a business degree in undergrad. I'm like, man, I'm going to get my MBA. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. I'm going to figure this thing out on my own, right? Well, uh, 
goes back to BK, right? Um, man, he's an assistant at Miami at the time. Okay. Now I was supposed to go be a GA for him at Southeastern Louisiana. Well, things change. He goes to Miami. I still go to Southeastern that year as a GA. And uh it was cool, you know, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know like it wasn't Who was that coach? Uh Jim Yarbrough was the head coach. He, they had hired him from uh from Vados to State. And um and and you know, it was like no disrespect to Coach Yarbrough, but it was just like but you weren't his you weren't his guy. You weren't his, you weren't his I wasn't guy. His guy right? right. Right. Okay. And so um, but he was, you know, at the same time, he was good for me. But make a long story short, the next year, BK. BK gets uh, the job at Murray State. And, you know, he said to me, he goes, hey, uh, earlier that year, he was at Miami. He said, hey, we're going to have a GA spot here at Miami. You know, do you want to do it? And I'm like, man, yeah, like, coach, I'd love to come down there with you guys. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to go to South Beach? But anyway, <laughs> um, man, the, the dude is like, uh, he gets the job at Murray. He goes, hey, if you still want to go down there to Miami, um, you know, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you, but man, I'd love for you to come up here to Murray with me. And I said, no, nah, coach, I'm rolling with you. And when I got there, Doug, I, again, I had no interest in coaching. Like I just wanted to get my master's degree. And, um, man, I don't know what it was. I lived with two players that year, uh, Ed Horton and Dwayne Paul. And man, just sitting there having conversations with them guys, about, you know, the future, what they wanted to do. You know, all these guys, they want to be pros, right? right. And, man, I had been fortunate to be around Reef for so long that I knew what it looked like. I knew the work you had to put in. And so these guys would talk about wanting to do this, but their habits didn't match up, you know. Right. They put so much into the game. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like Reef would always say, man, use the ball as a tool. That ball will take you anywhere you want to go. It'll get you anything you want to do if you use it the right way. And that was when I got the bug, man. Like, it was just wanting to be able to share experiences, give back, you know, and let guys know that the ball wasn't the end-all, be-all. It was a tool to kind of help help them shape themselves as men, you know, going forward. Because the same work ethic they put into, you know, being a good player, it's going to be the same work ethic they put into, you know, whatever they decide to do. You know, you, you know it's just what it was. So. Man, that's how I got into coaching. I had no no desire to do it at all, you know, and man, that was kind of how I got into it. What was what was next after Murray? So after Murray, man, uh, so I, I'm a GA at Murray. I graduate. Uh, there's no there was no openings on the staff, right? So I go back to I go back to Atlanta for uh, man. I think it was about man. I was probably back home for about two months. And Jamal Walker, who's now an assistant at Grand Canyon, left to go to Ohio with John Gross. Well, Steve Prome, who was an assistant coach for me when I was in college, was on staff. Isaac Chu, who's at New Mexico now, was on staff. I'm at my little brother's wedding in the Virgin Islands, and they call me like, hey, Jamal's going to Ohio. Um, if you want this job, it's yours. Like, or like, hey, we told BK, we want you to be on staff. He's going to call you. And coach calls me maybe about 45 minutes later. And he's like, hey, if you want this job, it's yours. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I go back to Murray for three years as an assistant. And then I leave young, kind of dumb, Doug, honestly. Uh, I leave Murray as a full-time assistant to go to Georgia Tech as the director of player development with Brian Gregory. Did you want to get back to Atlanta? Man, you know what, Doug, to be honest, man, it may have been 
the best, worst decision I ever made, right? Because I don't know why I left, to be honest. Like, um, if I'm being truthful, like, it was it was just, yeah, like, I wanted to get back to Atlanta. I'm thinking, oh, man, it's Georgia Tech. It's the ACC. ACC. You know, like, you know, this is the next step. You know, not realizing, not realizing that I'm leaving what my true passion is of being on the court, being on the road to now, like I can't be on the court. I can't be on the road. But what it did for me going to Georgia Tech was like, man, I realized that everything was more about growth than it was necessary, necessarily status. Man, you know, I tell people all the time, young, like young assistant coach, coaches who ask me, I said, man, nothing can ever be beneath you in this business. Like whatever helped the program, you got to be willing to do. Man, I, I used to roll a whiteboard the, every day. It was like a, a, white, a big whiteboard, wheels, roll it from the locker room to the practice gym every day. And I would keep like stats during practice at Georgia Tech. A year before, man, I was doing scouts. I was recruiting. I was doing player development. And it was humbling. But it's what it's what BG is what Brian Gregory asked me to do. I was trying to star in my role. And, you know, even though it was crazy to me, like I I got frustrated at times. You know, it was, you know, it was the same thing we were brought up on. You know, our parents taught us was whatever that job is, you gotta do. You gotta do that job. And so I was there for a year with with Brian Gregory. Then I went to Charleston with Doug Wojcik for two years. Um, and that was great. Learned a ton there. Um, it's probably where my OCD comes from, honestly. Um, just cause the way we had to do scouts, you know, man, you had to know everything, man. You know, you had to know, you know, which play, like, you know, if it was a certain play, all right, how many times they ran it right, how many times they ran it left, you know, how many times, you know, it was just what they did and it was how we scouted. I was there for two years and then got back with BK at Texas AM. And man, uh, uh my time at AM was great, you know, because you know, it's at a high level. It's with a guy you trust, a guy that's about the right things. And, you know, it just was a like a cherry on top. You got to go coach dudes like Alex Caruso, you know. And so that was cool. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer songwriter and composer John Batiste the all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What was BK like the second time around? Because, you know, I'm like, look, that was when he started to know he had the health health issues as well, right? Yep. But you guys also had a killer staff with guys that have all, like yourself, gone on to be head coaches. Like, it's different. Yep. Like, it's different. You had kind of gone to finishing school going with Woj, right? Right, you right. Ca- you kind of right. like – so what was that like the second time around? Man, you know, the second time around was, you know, uh, initially it was kind of – I don't want to say rocky, but it was different because, you know, Coach had only seen me as two things. One, as a player, and two, as a young assistant, like, that was trying to figure his way out. Right. Then um, he turns into then it goes to this thing where it's, um, you know, it's, you know, like, man, like you said, I went to finishing school in a sense. Right. And, um, you know, I end up growing a lot in those in those, I guess it was four years that I was away from him. Right. And so when, when I got back to him, I was it was probably me. You know, it was probably me being ready to prove to him that I was a good assistant. Like I was ready to, you know, take on more responsibility and, you know, uh, you know, do some different things that, you know, like the first time I was with him, like I, I didn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't necessarily prepared to do. And so, uh, you know, I had to learn to trust him. He had to learn to trust me. And I think when we did that, you know, when we came together in that way, um, we were able to do, you know, some really special things. Um, I was able to help him, you know, do some really special things at AM. And so it was, man, it was great that second time around because like most pe- people would say, like, yeah, he had the health issues. But like I would tell people all the time, like, man, I thought he was as sharp. I thought he was as sharp then, you know, as ever before. You know, um, I don't know if it's because he, you know, he felt like, you know, people were looking at him differently because of the health issues and he wanted to be better or if it was just like I thought he was just really good man you know and again he had good people around him but man it was uh it was it was a it was a learning process I think for both of us who who, who founded Caruso so Caruso was a college station kid like he grew up there his dad might I know his dad is that was dad played for my dad oh wow I never at knew Creighton that. at Creighton wow. yeah Wow. And then his dad was like, you, your color guy, right? He, yeah, he did dad, the radio. Yeah, his dad, his dad like worked in the department and would do like just again, he was a good teammate. He'd do, he'd do whatever you, you needed to be done, and you know, at, at AM, right? So did, did you like, like the did you did you like the AM AM thing is it's a little different it's now. Different. It's different. No, a hundred percent is different now. Like it's uh it can it can almost be like cultish. Yes, I was bit. I was gonna use the yeah. word. Yeah. Everybody used the word, but I just didn't know, like, we're good with the word cultist, right? No, no, it's, a, it's a, like, yeah, like, but you know what, though? I loved it simply because, you know, man, for a kid that played mid-major basketball, you always wondered what it was like to be at a yeah. place like that, that they love, like, they love that place. And Unbelievable so, resources, too. 
unbelievable resources. Like I used to always tell, I told people like, hey man, I think it's one of the best jobs in the country, you know, simply because whatever you need, whatever you want, you're going to get. Right. And so yes. I enjoyed it just because I had never really been in that type of environment, you know, sure. and, and when you drink that Kool-Aid, you drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Like this is yeah. no joke. My oldest daughter is seven. Okay. She was born in College Station. And she doesn't remember A&M like that. She she was two when we left or three when we left. Doug, if she sees Texas A&M on TV, football, basketball, whatever it is, she's like, Texas A&M. And I'm like, dang, she drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like she drank the Kool-Aid. When she, when now, didn't you, you go to didn't you go to Georgia for one year before you got the job, Kennesaw job? Yep, yep. We went to Georgia. Uh, man, let me tell you this. You you'll enjoy this right here. You'll like you asked this question about Caruso, right? Uh, I remember getting there, and it's like the summer going into Caruso's junior year. Okay, and I had watched them before because I would watch Coach. All right, when they were you know on TV or whatever. And I never forget this, man. I used to beg Caruso, Doug, like, "Hey, man, let's get in the let's get in the gym, let's get in the gym." But again, he was from College Station, like, so he had all his buddies back home. They pulling at him. He, you know, he golfing. He doing all this stuff. And man, like, man, by July, I said, "Man, you know what? I'm a I'm a quit asking him. Um, I'm gonna just wait till the season starts." All right. But I never forget. I told him. I said, "Russo, man, you a jump shot away. You a three ball away from being a pro." All right. Correct. True story. Ask him today. I said, you're yeah. three more away from being a pro, but you got to put the work in. Well, that summer, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, he'd be like, ah, man, I got to go do this. I got to do that. All right, cool. No problem. So that, that year, I, every day, either before practice or after practice, I make him stay, you know, and make, you know, 50 to 100 threes. Okay. Well, the next summer going into his senior year, man, he's hitting me every day. Hey, what time are we getting in the gym? What time are we shooting? And I think he goes from shooting like 28% as a junior to I think around 37 or 38 as a senior. And, you know, the rest is kind of history, you know. So I didn't de- I didn't develop Alex Caruso or anything like that, but I tell my players here all the time, the thing that makes Alex Caruso Alex Caruso is for two years I coached him. I never had the coach's effort, never had the coach's energy, never had the coach's attitude. The dude was a pro's pro. I mean, he was the best. Right. And so, you know, he was great. And so I'm at AM for four years and I leave and I go to Georgia for for a year with uh Coach Cream's first year there. First year. Yep. And um man, that that year was fun too, because you know, up until that point, man, I had worked for like te- like quote unquote defensive coaches. You know, uh BK was a defensive guy, Doug Wojcik was a defensive guy, uh Brian Gregory, I thought was a defensive guy. And coach, he could care. Now I shouldn't say he could care less about defense, but like, man, he wanted to score. Like he, you know, player development. Player development was a big part of uh, of what he does, you know. And and I, I tell people to this day, I remember Nick Claxton as a freshman at uh, at Georgia when I was at A and M, and man, he was just around the basket. He very rarely came outside the three point line. And man, what what Coach Cream did with that kid. From June first until he declared for the draft, I've never seen anything like it. Man, he would have that dude Doug and Nick would be pissed, right? Like in the summer, because man, he have him handling the ball full court against our guards. You know, we might be playing three on three or four on four, and these dudes are turning them, taking the ball from him. And Nick would literally be like, "Man, I, 
I don't know why I'm doing this, man. I'm not going to be doing it in the games. And coach would be like, no, you're wrong. You will be. Man, that dude started six games at us, six games for us at, at the point that year. <laughs> like, no joke. And, you know, that, like, that's when, you know, like that, like the thing I always tell people I took away from Coach Cream was just thinking more outside the box, not being so traditional when it came to development. Just, hey, this, this is this is who I this is who we're going to be. We're going we're gonna to kind of um, focus on each guy's individual development in, in the summer and in the spring, you know, that really helped him get better. And that year was fun. Got got to recruit Anthony Edwards, which was big time, man. You know, you get to recruit the best player in the country, the, the next number one pick in the draft. And but that was, you know, that was three or four years in the making. Did you did you how did he get convinced to didn't he um, didn't he reclass? When did he reclass? So he reclassed like the like. So if it's his end of his sophomore year going into his junior year, he reclasses like the spring, um, the spring or I'm sorry, the summer going into his junior year to where he was going to come out a year early. And I had recruited Anthony even when I was at Texas A&M, like I couldn't, you know, it was the rule when they were like sophomores or whatever, you couldn't call them. So i never forget this still to this day. It's the best high school workout I've ever seen of a kid in my, you know, however many years I've been coaching, right? It's 6 a.m. And man, Doug, I swear you would have thought it was game seven of the NBA finals. This is how hard this kid is going. All right. And I walk out of that gym. I never forget calling this travel coach, Winfrey Jordan. And I said, hey, man, you got one. I said, he may be the best player to ever come out of this state. And that's it. I got, like, that says a lot. I watched my brother. I watched Deion Glover, Martise Moore. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And I was just like, that dude is the real deal. But I would, Anthony would call me every Thursday. Uh, I think it was every Thursday at like 730 uh, his time. And, man, we talked and just ended up building a really cool relationship, really cool bond. And, uh before I took the job, I had never told nobody this. Before I took the job at Georgia, I called him because his his whole mindset he wanted to get out of Georgia initially. And I said, "Man, I gotta, I might be coming back, you know, home to take a job, but I don't want to do it if, you know, if you're not going, you know, if you're not going to consider it. I know we've always talked about you getting out of the state." And he goes, "Where is it at?" And I told him Georgia. He goes, "Oh yeah." I, he was like, "Man, I do UGA." He's like, "I like UGA." So, yeah, it was cool, man. That's awesome. Um, at what point in time did you know that Kennesaw job was coming up? Man, this is like, and this was the first time I'd ever seen that happen. But, um, you know, like the January that, so I guess it was January of 2019, they had put out a press release that Al Skinner wasn't coming back next year. Like he coached the rest of the season and they were like, he's not coming back. And this is how small the world is. And so Eric Hyman, who was the athletic director at AM when I was there, my AD now, Milton Overton, worked for him at, I think it was at AM. And, uh, you know, he, um, I called Mr. Hyman and I said, hey, this job is going to come open. Do you mind making a call for me? And he said, yeah, man, no problem. Anything you need. Made the call for me. And that was like the introduction. And, you know, a few months later, and I was named head coach here. Was there any negotiation for, for like salary, anything, anything like that? Not really, like, because they could only pay you what they could pay you, right? Right, right. And, I mean, you, you know, you hear coaches all the time. The one thing I always appreciate about Coach Cream was, 
you know, he asked me, he goes, hey, if you really want the job, I won't throw any more money at you. You know, I don't want to confuse you. If you think it's a good job for you, then, you know, go do what you, you know, go go try to get it. And, uh, you know, but you know how it is. It's only a few jobs, Doug, as an assistant that you can get where you're going to make more money than you're making. And, you know, Sharif probably gave me the best piece of advice I could I could have heard at that time. And he said, hey, man, like you need to go bet on yourself. He said, because in four years, who knows, you'll you would have doubled the money you could have made at Georgia or Kennesaw. Go bet on yourself. You're ready. And, you know, that was it. But I was just I was excited about the challenges, to be honest with you. So you get there. Yep. What was it like? It was like nothing I'd ever seen, Doug, or heard. Okay. Like, and that's not a knock on Coach Skinner or the staff or anything like that, but it was, man, I had never seen like a culture and an environment be voluntary, right? Uh, Meaning, like, no joke. I sent, like, the first, I said, I get the job. It's like the first day I'm on campus, I sent out a text to the, the team. Say, fellas, tonight, team workout, 6 p.m. One of the kids texts back, hey, is this mandatory? Well, I, I kept one of, I kept like the director of ops from the staff that year. And I just went to him and I said, hey, man, why, why would he, uh, why would he, what would possess him to text that back? And the guy kind of put his head down and he just goes, Man, coach, spring workouts were voluntary. Well, come to find out, like, so were weights. You know, they were voluntary. Like, it wasn't any, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. Like, if they wanted to lift, they could lift in the spring. If they didn't want to lift, there was no consequence or anything. So, man, it was, man, it was like this really cool place, right, that had a lot of, you know, it had good bones to it, you know, that you could, uh, really sell to recruits, but man, the environment and what was okay, man, it was crazy. It was so, crazy. So, so, so help me out in the city of Atlanta, right? Because, yeah. because having worked some at Turner, I've seen Georgia State just explode, right? Yeah. In terms of the, the campus. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, they made, they, they got to the tournament, won a game a couple years ago, right? What, what's, right. what's, where does Kennesaw fit in the landscape of things in, in Atlanta? Man, duh, and I say this, I'm not, this is not a, I'm the coach at Kennesaw and I want to sell my university, right? Like, I truly believe, man, it's it's got the best setup of any of them. I mean, it's like, I'm thinking like if I'm a parent, okay, or if I'm a coach and I'm selling this to a parent, you know, with Georgia State and Georgia Tech, they're right there in the heart of everything, right? And so, you know, not like both of them have, you know, campuses where you can you know you're on campus, but from a safety standpoint, like you're in the city, man, like you're you're right in the heart of everything. You know, being at Georgia, you got this great college town, great campus. I mean, it's beautiful as it gets, but you're 50 minutes, you know, from uh, not civilization, but anything. No, you're you're yeah, you're. I mean, that's Co- Coach Sutton used to say, "Hey, put State University as far as sin from po- as possible, right?" And they, know, right, right. Yep, so yep. you're you're 45, you know, 35, 45 from the suburbs, right. 50 to an hour from the city. From the city. Well, right. with Kennesaw, you know, you're you, we got this, I think it's in a great, you know, area, uh, safe area, great campus. It's like as big as any of the, you know, it's just as big as Georgia's campus, 43,000 students. 
Um, but you also 30 minutes from downtown Atlanta, you're 20 minutes from where the Braves play um, at the battery, you know, so socially for a kid, they can get the best of both worlds, you know, for a parent, you can drop your kid off at this, at this campus and, you know, man, it's, you know, it's really safe. It's nice. And so that's, you know, I think, but the problem is, is this, people won't come that far up I-75 to figure out, hey, this is, you know, like, man, it's a lot going on up here. This is well, nice. I, I saw your championship game. There are plenty of people that came up for that one. But that's so. that was all people like right there in Kennesaw, Ackworth, Canton that came up. I don't know how many of those people were from, you know, south of Bear Parkway, you know, and it was and but it was rocking in there. It was rocking in there. So, OK, your, your first. So how how did you put together your first staff? Man, I'll tell you how crazy it is. I knew I wanted guys, and I promise you, Doug, like not even knowing that our first year would be um, the way it was, but I knew we had to have guys that had great energy, but they cared about, like, kids. Like, they got in it for kids. So, man, I probably talked to, you know, 15 to 20 guys, um, you know, when trying to figure it out. But, like, the one question, the first question I started with was, like, hey, you know, when you got this, what you get into the business for? You know, why, like, what was your reason? And, you know, you had guys start with, man, I just love the game, you know. But, they, like, the guys that started with, like, man, you know, I really enjoy, like, giving back to kids. And these were, like, in the, for me, I kind of knew Ben Fletcher was going to be a great fit because I had known Ben for probably – 15, 20 years, we played against each other in college, but his head coach, Don Maestri, um, who he played for at Troy, was on our staff at AM um, as a special assistant to the head coach. So we would talk about Fletch all the time. And he, like, they had just got let go at Troy and he needed a job. So it was a simple, simple fix or simple, simple uh, hire. Persian Williams, who I think is, I say outside of myself, you know, but I think the dude knows the state of Georgia better than anybody out there. And I knew we wanted to recruit that state and he could do, he could help me do it, but also he could take some of those, you know, some stuff off my plate, you know, whether it was with, you know, some of the local coaches that, you know, would need certain things, some of the players, whatever it is. And I knew he would get young kids to our campus. Right. And then from there, I, I hired Tanner Smith, who's now Stephen F. Austin. And we were just really lucky to get William Small. Um, William Small had been at Iowa State with Steve Prome. But Small was one of – he recruited me. Uh, he was like the lead recruiter when BK was recruiting me at Southeastern. So um, he they had got let go at the end of our second year. And, man, I just threw it. It was like a shot in the dark. I'm like, hey, man, um, I got this – I got an opening. You want to come do it? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, for real? I'm thinking he's going to want to go try to find another hot major job. And, he, man, he came and – and joined us, and it's been it's been great. What were you like? You lost twenty in a row. You won one game. But you lost twenty in a row. Yeah. What were you like? What were you like as a coach in year one when you guys were losing? A maniac. Um, like just you know, man, it had been it had been so long, Doug, since I had lost. Um, you know what I mean, player or coach that. And then, but I guess a head coach, like 
you know, I could pay attention to everything BK did or Coach Crean or Woj or whoever, but I still had to be myself. And the thing that I didn't know as a head coach, the first time head coach is being honest, man, I was so result driven that it was crazy, right? Like I could say, hey, we got to build a foundation. We got to build a culture. We got to build a standard. But I wasn't living those words. Like as soon as, as soon as like, you know, something went wrong, man, I would, man, I, you know, the thing I did my first year, I would, I would be talking to the officials more than I was coaching. Right. I was, like it was crazy. And, and as I'm talking to them, I'm not coaching my team. Three plays that went by and I don't even know what happened. So during that time, man, like, honestly, like I was, you know, I, I was very impatient, uh, very uh, result driven. And it's probably why we lost 20 games in a row, because as the leader, I wasn't focused on the right things. What did you, how did you decide to change it? Like what, what was, was it your off season year one? Was it off season year two? How did you decide to, to change, to become more process oriented? Yeah, I would probably say, nah, man, cause I was still pretty result driven even in year two, because in, in this, that was with this core group of guys. Right. And um, we, we won five games that year and, this is the part I feel like when I think about it, I'm like, man, you you had you needed to be better. We were the fourth youngest team in the country that year. You know, we were playing, we were playing seven freshmen. We had we were playing literally nine guys that were new to Division One. But because we were more talented than we were the first year, I'm thinking, oh man, like it's got to happen. Like it should, we should be better than what we are. Again, result driven. And so I would honestly say. It was the the off season after year two, and again, this is you have good people around you. My uh, Ben Fletcher, my associate head coach, he said to me, "He goes, man, you got to be better, you know." And again, I know Fletch 15, 20 years, and I know he's not going to tell me anything that's not for for my the better to better me. It's not going, you know, it's not going to hurt me. And he goes, "Man, you got to be better." He goes, "Man." you know, your response, you know, to what they do has to be better. You got to be better. And uh, hearing that from him, it really made me do a lot of self-reflection. And, you know, man, I, I I grew up a little bit, you know, but I thought I took the biggest step this past offseason when, again, I, I told the guys, I said, hey, next year it's not going to be about talent. It's not going to be about ability, right? Um, it's going to be about your connection. And Fletch came to me again and he goes, hey, you're, you're 100 percent right what you're telling the guys. But again, your response to how to what they do is going to you know, determine how good we can really be. And I think, you know, we won a ton of close games this year. And it's because these guys have, have they've lost together. They've learned how to win together. But, man, you know, we started a game out at Bellarmine. They're up 24, 26, seven on us. And I don't blink. I just, hey, man, let's keep going. Let's do what we do. Let's get, get you know, focused on the things that we need to be focused on. Um, how did you get them more connected in the offseason? What was, was, was there any exercises you did or any special things that you did? Anything that you changed? No, no, for sure. So I read the five dysfunctions of a team, right? And I wouldn't know how them sit there and read the book with me, right? But I read the book and at the end of the book, it's a survey in there, right, Doug? And the survey, you know, 
you basically take the survey and it tells you where you're, you know, where you're dysfunctional. Well, before I gave him the survey, I asked, I asked each one of them, I said, guys, do we have an absence of trust on, in our group? Oh, no, no, no. You know, okay. Do we have a fear of conflict? No, 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 no. What about a what about an avoidance of accountability, inattention to results? And they they go on. All of them say no, no joke. All of them to a man say no. Well, I give them the survey, and now nobody can know their answer. Whatever it is, they give it back to me. We tally it all up, and Doug, uh, no joke. We were all dysfunctional. Them. All of them. we had all of them. All right. And so when you give it, when I gave each one of them their surveys back, and I said, hey. Just take Chris Youngblood, for example. I say, see why you said we didn't have any of this stuff in our program. Like, what's you know, but on your sheet, you said we don't, our absence of trust is like a two. Or, yeah, I said, uh, our fear of conflict, you know, is as high as it gets, you know, and you're, you know, based on what you say, so on and so forth. So it was just opening their eyes to they don't like think about the fear of conflict. They didn't want to say in front of each other that they didn't trust each other. They didn't want to say in front of each other that I could like I, like you can't hold me accountable. Right. So on and so forth. And so we started with that. And then I told him, I said, guys, you got to get more intentional about your relationships off the court. You got to spend more time together. And Brandon Stroud, who, you know, man, dude is a social butterfly. Um, you know, man, he was really the leader. You know, he'd organized team bowling nights. He'd organized team dinners. Um, they just they would just spend a lot more time together. And that's what led to their connection, you know, being even better than it was on the court. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. How do you not spend too much time? Because there, there, there is a limit there to where they tune you out 
Yep. There is a point there to where you get too close to them and it yep. becomes harder to coach them. How do you balance, hey, I, I want this thing to be a unit, but I can't be that close. And sometimes you guys, like, you, you know how it was when you played, like, a lot of times yep. you get in fights with your best friend in practice yep. because yep. you spend too much time around them. How do you well, balance that out? Well, I'll tell you this, Doug. Like, I told these guys, uh, each one of them, when we recruited them, I told them, I said, hey, look, if you're coming here just for basketball, don't come. All right. I said, because we're going to be pushing you guys in, in areas that, you know, you right now you don't think about. And I said, and if I care about your development, not only as a player, but as a person more than you, do, I'm going to get on your nerves. You know, I said, man, I'm here to have a real relationship with you, to spend real time with you. And so, you know, I kind of put that out there to start. So they kind of had an idea what to expect. But then to balance it out, like I told them last summer, I said, hey, look. You know, going back to it's not going to be about ability. It's not going to be about talent. It's going to be about your connection. I said, if I'm still the one getting, you know, yelling because Brandon Stroud, it takes him 20 minutes to get going at practice, then, you know, guys, we won't reach our full potential. If I'm still the one yelling because, you know, our our attention to detail isn't where it needs to be, we're not going to reach our full potential. It has to become a player-driven program because when it becomes a player-driven program, now I can take my hands off because, you know, I, I trust that, you know, hey, Terrell, you're going to handle this or Alex Peterson, you're going to handle this. And truthfully, like they got tired of me yelling, you know, and because we coach them, Doug, I coach them. I coach their butts in the summer, man. I'm just telling you. And and I would tell them like, all right, I guess it's going to be like this all year. And, you, you know, y'all make the decision. And again, we got great kids, man. We were we were really intentional, too. You know, those first couple of years, kind of, you know, who we wanted to bring in our environment, you know, who we you know we were intentional about it. And so the way we balanced it out, like I really pushed them and encouraged them to make it more their program, their, you know, what they wanted out of it than what I wanted out of it. Because naturally, I'm going to care about it more than they do. Right. So what what guy on your mm-hmm. current team? Do you take the greatest pride in turning him, changing him, evolving him? Terrell Burton. Not not a question. My starting point. Okay, so first so so first time you saw him was where? Man, I, I seen Terrell Burton probably since he was a sophomore in high school. What played high school? At, uh played at Campbell High School in, in Smyrna, Georgia. It's right outside, it's like twenty minutes north of Atlanta, right there in like kind of in Cobb County. And uh man, Terrell was always this like the little the little guard that was super athletic, you know, he could, man, he, he about 5'10", and he could dunk and do all this stuff and could really score the ball. But his teams never, like, they never won a ton when he was in high school, right? So he was, I mess with him all the time. I mean, he's just a good player on a on an average team, right? right. And so I had known him. I had known of him since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, and his trainer, a guy named Mark Edwards, you know, that tried to get me to recruit him at Georgia uh, because Coach Trina had so much success with Yogi Ferrell. And we we didn't need a point, you know, because we had uh, already taken Savir Wheeler and, um, and and we had uh, we had a guy coming back. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, so when I got the job there, like Terrell was like my, my, my second uh, recruit. Armani Harris was our first. And I take the most pride in – watching how much he's grown and changed because Doug, our first year, this dude wouldn't talk. 
like I could give him a play like, hey, real, we running, you know, horns down. Right. And he he would. OK. And he's walking the ball up the court. And the other four guys are looking at the bench like, hey, what are we running? And I'm like, real, you got to tell him to play. Right. right. Like, yeah, you know, man, as a point guard, you've got to have command in your voice. you got to your voice has to be prominent, man. And the dude would not talk. And I would, man, I was on him every day, the every day. And to the point where now, like, man, we'll go in a huddle, you know, like say at one of the uh, media timeouts. And like, for example, in our Liberty game, the last three huddles, all I had to do was give them either the defensive assignment or the offensive assignment. Terrell was in there like, hey, man, this is where they hurt us. They keep beating us on this backside. Man, we got to clean this up. He's the most vocal dude on our team now. And like just watching it, man, it's cool. It's really cool. You know, um, there's nothing in the world like the electricity of a full gym. No doubt. Right? There's, there's nothing like it. Yep. What was that like? Uh, we'll get to the game. But when you walk out there, and and I don't know if you, in your mind, could do the juxtaposition of your first home game at Kennesaw when it's friends and family only, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm guessing a couple hundred people, right? Yeah, maybe 150. What, what was that like? There, Your guys are warming up. You're playing Liberty to go to the NCAA tournament. What's that like for you personally? Man, it, it, it just – it was special – and I don't know how many head coaches do this, right? And I, I'm not saying I'm more special or better than anybody else, but Persian Williams, who's on my staff, we talked about it about him earlier. The last year, all right, think about this. Last year, um, before you know, we had this special year we're having now. Um, he and I, I would, I would literally go buy t-shirts. Just say I buy 150 t-shirts, get Kennesaw State basketball printed on them, and man, we would go on game day. We walk around and hand out T-shirts to students. Just, hey, man, come to the game, game tonight. You know, and I, I never forget a kid said to me <laughs> in the cafeteria, he said, man, y'all ain't got no marketing team. You the head coach. What you, why you handing, why you handing out T-shirts on game day, right? And so to see it where it was that Liberty game, man, I never, I turned to person. I just, I came, gave him like a little fist pound. I said, hey, man, hell of a job, man. Hell of a job, you know, just because, you know, it goes back to there can't be anything that's beneath us. Not if we're trying to do something special. Right. Like, you know, hell, I, I'll do the laundry if I got to, you know, I'll you know, I'll be the first one to, you know, man, it's a wet spot on the floor. Hey, throw me that towel. I'll wipe the wet spot. up. But how do you but how do you maintain that? Because that, that's actually my question with even even now at Kennesaw. Right. Yeah. Is is the guys that are there now, you got guys that have been there for one win and five wins or whatever, right? Whereas guys that come in now, they think this is how it is. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Don't you don't understand. How do you, how do you maintain that? You got to have, you got to have people that tell your story, right? Um, Terrell Burton and Armani Harris, I told you, those are our first two recruits. During that one win season, Doug, we lose our last game at home to, to NJIT. And as they're walking off the court, I grab them. Right. And I, I put my arm around both of them and I, both of them. And I say, hey, it's not going to always be like this. Right. But more importantly, y'all have to tell the story, you know, of what it can't be like to those incoming guys, you know, because they don't know any better. You guys do. And so, you know, even like Chris Youngblood, 
you know, and, and Brandon Stroud, those guys have had a lot of, um, you know, success or not a lot, but they've had decent success more than Terrell and, and Armani, you know, more than Terrell and Armani have. And even them, they have to be able to be the storytellers, you know, as you know, we got a big kid from Iowa coming in next year named Daniel Tobilova, right? They got to be able to tell Daniel the story of what to expect. They got to tell Daniel the story of, you know, this is our standard. This is our expectation. So I think that's how you, you maintain it. It's one thing to walk into that full gym. It's another thing to win and win in the way that you won. Like you said, the last three huddles, you didn't have to say anything except the defensive assignment. Right. That buzzer strike zero. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. What, what went through your mind? Um, man, honestly, Doug, I thought about my dad. Man. Um, my dad passed away uh, in July of 20, uh, right as the pandemic uh, was, you know, just strong going, right? And die, passed from, you know, complications of COVID. And, uh, man, you know, it's like crazy. Like, you never realize, you realize how much your parents mean to you. But even as a, at the time, I was a 38, 39-year-old man, right? And you, you never realize still how much you need your dad, right? Like, just sometimes, like, a word for them, man, Right? And so, man, my dad passed and, you know, you just start going through certain things. But, man, I found a, I found this voicemail um, from, man, it was literally after our Creighton game, all right, of my first year. Your first year? First that was year. your first game. That was, was your first, first game, game, right? Yep, our first game. And, man, uh, I didn't even realize I still had this, te- this voicemail. But in the voicemail, man, he's saying, he was like, he starts out, he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes, man, he like, man, I love you, boy. You know, it's like, he just, you know, my dad was like the king of, it's a running joke between my brothers and sisters. And I like, man, he just leave these long voicemails talking to you, like as if you were having a conversation with him. Right. No question. All right. It's like, they the best. But, you know, at one point in this voicemail, he goes, yeah, man, that's just one, you know, that's just one. But man, I can see you in some years. They belong to you, man. You've been there before. You've done it before. You, he goes, you know, you know, you've been there before. You know what to do. Doug, I listen to this voicemail every game day. All right. Every game day. And when that buzzer struck zero, man, I'm sitting there thinking, man, how did this dude know? How did he know? Like after my after our first game, you know, he says, yeah, that's just one but I can see you in some years. They belong to you. You know, man, I was messed up, man. Like, you know, just, you know, man, my brother was there, man. It was, man, my brother was there. and My sisters were there. My sister, my oldest sister was all, she had flew in from Little Rock that day. And man, just to see them in the stands, uh, man, I like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I would consider myself an emotional guy. I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, right? But, man, that's literally what went through my head was, how did this dude know, <laughs> you know? And, uh, man, I couldn't have been more happy. But then I just very similar, you know, I'm very similar to my dad. My mind goes to, all right, what's next? Because, the message you get to these guys is going to set the tone for these next two weeks or so leading up to this tournament. 
And I walked, you know, I walked in the locker room after we got done with all the celebration. And I said, hey, fellas, man, really proud of you guys. Um, but job not finished because you guys are good enough to go win in this tournament. And I said, I'm not just telling you that. Like, I've seen it before. Like, the makeup, you know, who we are, how we go about our business. We can go do something special, but you got to believe it. And, man, it was just uh, – it's crazy, man. <laughs> it was crazy. When you you saw your name appear and you saw Xavier, yep. um, what, 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 what is America going to see when they see your team? Man, I think they're going to see a group of guys um, that play with a big-time chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, the one thing I told, I told our group, you know, was, um, you know, guys, you got to a point where you're going to play in a tournament and there won't be any bad teams. There won't be any bad teams, guys. All right? So, like, the chip on our shoulder, okay, it has to be massive, you know, and you, it has to be like, hopefully that chip, you know, is the same chip on each guy's shoulder because we got to be fighting for the same thing, right? Because Xavier's going to be good. All right. You're going to play a good team, right? And so when we see that matchup, man, I'm like, okay, right. I have just watched them against Marquette in the Big East championship and, um, knew they were a lot better than they played that game. You know, Marquette was really good, but I said, okay, like, cool. Like, we're like, you know, nothing that this won't overwhelm us in a sense. You know, I was more concerned, Doug, about the, the, like them letting like the bright lights and the magnitude of it being the NCAA tournament make them get them out of character in a sense, you know, and so. We were able to get them, you know, I think they're focused now. I think they're they're locked back in and they're going to treat this thing like, hey, this is the next game. It's about getting better, right? And if we focus on really getting better, like each possession, and I think America will see a team that, man, regardless of what happens, these kids ain't going to quit. They ain't going to back down. They're going to be there. I promise that. As you said, you know, you – and one person in your state feel like you know Georgia better than anybody. Yep. Tech just came open. They yep. offered it to Damon. They offered it to Damon. Yep. Not, yep. not, 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 not to you. Yeah. What? How'd you handle that emotionally? Man, I'll be honest with you, Doug. Man, I was so hyped for Damon. Like my right hand, my right hand to God. My wife. I came home that day, and you know the one thing I got to mess with Coach Crean and Coach Kennedy about is this. And they never told me like how tired you'll be <laughs> you know, that week after winning the winning the winning the conference, man. Like you know, because man, your your emotions are oh man, like and it's like and then now you like and especially for us because our our conference our our conference tournament is a week before everybody else's, and so now like we're sitting there a week without even knowing like who you're playing, and yeah, you can go in there. It's like a fight to get those dudes to come in there and you know really. Lock in, lock in for the hour and 15 minutes you're going to be in there because they're like, man, we don't even know who we're playing. We don't know where we're going. We don't know this. So I got to give Coach Crean, Coach Kennedy a hard time about that, uh, you know, after everything is, is done. But um, I went home the day they hired Damon and I was tired, man. And I guess my 
my wife, you know, she like looks at me and she's like, hey, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, just tired. She goes, nah, like, are you okay? And I said, like, what do you mean? She goes, well, I saw Georgia Tech. I said, man, nah, like I'm hyped for Damon, right? Because, you know, Damon played with my brother in Portland. So I've known Damon since I was 26. Like we went to the, we went to the Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor, the first middleweight championship fight that those guys fought in Vegas. And man, that dude let us hang out with him. You know, me he let me and my little brother hang out with him that night. It was like the like the night of our young lives at that time, right? And uh and he's been a, a, a unbelievable friend, like big brother to me over the years. And so I knew what Damon had built at Pacific, right? Um and he and he and I think right just like, just like left, you, just like you. No, nope, like he me. came in, yeah, it was a nothing. And then he won coach of the year. It was nothing. Yeah, yes. and one coach of the year. And then so he, you know, he leaves and he takes that deal with the Celtics. And, I mean, you know, Robert Williams, the third, played for us at Texas A&M. And so, like, I would see and, like, every now and again talk to Rob and, man, man, Dame, da, 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 like, just the impact he was having on him. So to see Damon get that opportunity at Tech, you know, uh, I mean, I learned a long time ago, I should say, Sharif told me a long time ago, actually, when I was interviewing for this job, I interviewed for this job and William and Mary. And the truth of it was, was I wanted the William and Mary job because it was in the CAA. It was, a, it was in my eyes, more of a basketball league, basketball ready, it was more money, all of this stuff. And um, man, I, I never forget, I'm waiting on to hear back on both jobs and I'm, I let myself become consumed by it. And and Sharif, man, I never forget, I was on the road. I was in between Athens and Augusta, Georgia. I went recruit. And I was talking to Sharif. He's like, man, you good? I'm like, man, just, man, these jobs, man, I ain't heard nothing back. And he goes, hey, man, what God got for you, he got for you. You know, he said, man, it can be a million people trying to keep something from you. But if he wants it, if he has that for you, he's going to remove those, <laughs> you know, those people out the way. He said, and you can want something so bad. You can want something so bad that, like, you just, you know, you just want it. But if he doesn't want it for you, he's going to protect you from it. And you don't realize. It. Ever since then, Doug, I promise you, man, I've I just been on, you know, some, man, I, like, truly, you know, I just, man, I, I, I tell God every day. Like, I told him during games, man, like this year, hey, whatever it is you got for us, I trust you. I trust you. I, I, my right hand of God, I've literally said that throughout games. And so, again, I just go back to it, like, when it came open, it was like, okay, cool, you know. Um, but when Damon got it, man, shoot, I was probably more happy. I was probably just as happy that he got it as if I would have got it because he's very deserving of the opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. 
Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. How do you, let's say you stay, assuming you stay for another year, but now all of a sudden your dudes have an extra year yep. and, and everywhere you go, it's an unofficial recruiting visit for them, right? Yep. And they, yep. they see all the stuff that, and they know all the numbers that are being thrown around. What is that like to coach in this era when this is something you built? These are guys that you believed in, and now they finally got into the place where you told them if they bought in, they would get. And yet now other people are, I'm sure, going to try and, you know, going to try and poach them. Well, they've already done that. Um, man, you know, after Chris Youngblood's freshman year, we're driving back from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, it was like the COVID year. And so we they did the they did the tournament in a in a neutral site, or not a neutral site, but just at North Florida is where everybody could get to. And man, I'll never forget this. Man, the kid walks up to me on the bus, he taps me on the shoulder, he, he takes his phone, he gives me his phone. And it's another assistant coach from another university, like, hey man, I saw you guys lost. Man, I was just curious, man. You gonna man, you gonna stay at Kennesaw, man? You know, like you're too good of a player you know, to be going through all that losing. And the kid looked me dead in my eye and he said to me, like, Coach, man, I just want you to know, man, I ain't going nowhere. Like, I don't care what none of these dudes say. But, Doug, it goes back to what I said to you before. You know, we were intentional about who we, who we recruited, who we brought into our environment. Um, so much so, like, I, I've said to – I told these guys in the recruiting process, this is no joke, each one of them will tell you. I told them, I said, hey, look, man, I get it. You know, transfer portals this, transfer portals that. I said, but the truth of it is, is this, hey, if we get to a point two, three years from now, all right, where um, you're interested in transferring, like, guys, I think you got to hit it head on, right? Because you're right. Like, they see it all, right? And I said, you're interested in transferring? Well, that means two things. One, we've had a lot of success here. And I said, it would just, I said, I'm going to treat it just like, you know, if you were trying to go pro, okay? We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about what's best for you you know, so on and so forth. But if you think it's in your best interest to transfer, if you feel like you need something else, like, man, then we'll sit down and we'll figure out where the best place for you is. I said, but I guarantee you, you won't need that. I said, because how we'll go about your development as a person, as a player, you know, how we'll go about your growth. Like, you'll know the grass isn't greener somewhere else. You don't, like, you don't need a bigger conference or a bigger, bigger name you know, to, uh, you know, to become a pro, like a pro is a pro, no matter where, you know, like right? Devin George. The other part to it is, and I don't know if they, they get this is if they leave as much as they're a part of your culture, it's really hard to consider them part of your culture after they're gone. And they're going no. to a place where they're not really part of that new brotherhood. Cause they're only going to be there for a short period of time. So then they become a dude without a home. They, they, they have an alma mater, but no real place to call home. Hey, what, what 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 was the movie with uh with um wasn't Clint Eastwood uh what's my guy man I can I can see his uh Unforgiven no uh, no was it no 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 country no for country old for old men no yeah. country for old men right and you know like that's how I think about the transfer portal sometimes right it's like these dudes are leaving you know like some of them are leaving when they're young but a lot of them are leaving after two or three years where they've been right. at schools and. You know, these schools have helped them grow and become who they are. You know, these staff, right. right? And then they leave thinking that, oh, I can go over here. And in the recruiting process, you know, people are going to just tell you whatever they want you, whatever you want to hear. And you go over to this new place. 
and uh, it's not what you think. Like it's just like because I was looking at this the other day. Uh, um, I think the kid declared. I can't remember, but I think Casey Alexander at Belmont does one of the best jobs in the country, right? And the kid Ben Shepherd is from Georgia. All right, Ben Shepherd's from Georgia. Dude is first team All Missouri Valley. Def, uh, all defense averages like 18 a game, about 40 something from three. I remember Ben Shepard coming out of high school and he was a, you know, he was a cutter. He was a slasher. He was a good defender, but he stayed at Belmont because he knew he was getting developed. He stayed at Belmont. And now this dude, like if you went back and looked at his high school class in the state of Georgia, and I'm going to do it when all this is over and I got time, I want to look at who was ranked ahead of him. And where they are now compared to where he is now, because I guarantee you, who was ever in front, who, whoever was in front of him, that dude has surpassed the majority of them because he stayed where he was being developed and he was being coached. So I have like these, like again, like the we got real real relationships with these dudes, and I tell them like you know I had the same conversation with Brandon Stroud a year ago. I mess with him all the time. I was like, hey man, yeah, you like you like the the, the clout, you like the you know the, the lights. I said, man, if we didn't have this relationship that we have with you, like oh, you being a transfer reporter already, he gets this big smile on his face, like hey, you know. Um, what do you have to do to beat Xavier? Man, we got a we got a really good transition defense. Uh, Man, I think they're one of the best, you know, for whatever reason, people, they think, uh, you know, when you think Sean Miller, you think these sets have court execution, so on and so forth, which they are really he, good He at. used to. But, you know, he, he used to. Amir, Amir, I'm telling yeah. you, like, it was like he had a come to Jesus with himself during his year out. Almost. Right? Yeah. Where they, like, he's always pushed and run in transition, but his offense has changed. His philosophy has changed. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing yeah. that guys don't do enough when they get fired. Right. He didn't get fired really for performance, yeah. but right. is they they don't if you take another job right away, you don't take stock and figure out, OK, I got to Like you said, from year one to year two to year three. Right. You've got to change. Yeah. Guys don't change. He's changed. You, you, you better be you better be self-assessing as you're going through it. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned, like and not just with like I'm not saying change like your philosophy every year. Right. But you better be adjusting. The, like with the game because the game is always evolving right that's what i should be saying you, you better be able to evolve with the game and so like watching them now you know between sule boom kicking ahead whether it's kunkel for threes or kobe jones for drives or you know they got that big rim running man our transition defense has to be really good um and then i think once they get to the half court we've got to do a, a really good job of limiting paint touches and that's whether through the post Right. Like with the duck ins and, you know, and that's where, you know, if you look on paper, their advantage is their size. Right. But I mean, we, you know, again, I think we played, you know, a, a, a number of teams with size very similar to theirs. And outside of our trip to San Diego State, which was was bad scheduling by me, uh, <laughs> you know, we've done a pretty decent job, you know, of, um, We've done a pretty decent job um, of defending the, 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 the paint, you know, with with playing four guards. Uh, but we got to limit them to one shot, too. You know, we can't give them, 
you know, second chances, you know, uh, once we get that stop. So I think if we can be good in those two areas defensively, and then I think if offensively we just do the things that we've done all year, you know, we average right around 15 or 16 assists a game, and we do a really good job of sharing the ball. You know, our bat, like I think our our balance is key, even though, you know, Chris Youngblood is our lead scorer, but, I mean, Terrell Burden has had games of 25-plus. Brandon Stroud has scored 20-plus. Case and Jennings, Chris Youngblood, Spencer Rogers, Demon Robinson. Our strength is our numbers. It, our strength is our balance. So we can't again, and I, I don't see my group doing this. We can't let it be. Oh, it's March Madness. Let me get mine right. Like we we've talked about that enough. Um, like that San Diego st- State trip. We were like, man, it was a literally like, man, dudes were just out there trying to get theirs, and we got pounded right. And we were like, all right. You want to play that way? If you want to play that way, guys, this is going to be the result. I'm telling you right now, okay? And ever since that game, <laughs> they hadn't played that way. So we've got to do a really good job of letting that ball find energy tomorrow. What's your pregame speech? Same old boring habits. I've said it a number of times. Um, the last year, I used to have to try to, you know, pump them up. They're ready, man. You know, they're ready. They Again, when – when you become a player-driven program, it's not a whole lot you have to say anymore, you know. But I just went like, you know, the thing I'm going to tell them tomorrow is, hey, man, I love you guys. You know, um, most people, they talk about, you know, what a player means to a coach. I'm sorry, what a coach means to a player. I'm going to talk to them about what they mean to me, you know, what they've given me. Uh, you know, like I'll be, I'll be sitting here lying if I said that, you know, during that first year when we won one game, and I'm like, man, I'm like, can I coach? Like, am I, like, am I? No question. Right? right. Like, crisis like, and confidence at some point, right? No question, right. No question. And what these guys gave me, you know, over the last two or three years was that, all right, like, I can coach, but more importantly, man, having 16 young guys looking back at you every day for guidance for um, confidence, for to, for you to help them find themselves and they listen to you and they follow you, man, I think it's one of the, the greatest gifts um, a person can have. And so they've given me that, that, that energy and that confidence, even in myself, that the way I'm doing it, the way we're doing it as a staff, you can win doing it. You know, I say the right way. I'm not saying that anybody else is doing it the wrong way, but you can do it, have authentic, real relationships with these students. You know, it's 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 fascinating to bring it up because you're obviously about the right things, right? And I believe that there's a much higher percentage of people who are about the right things in the business than the average fan would think. Right? Like if you said... Right. If you walked into a room and like, what do you do? Like, I'm a college basketball coach. It's almost like the old used car salesman thing. Like, oh, really? Right. How do we change that narrative? That's a great question. Man, that's a great. I mean, it's it's a it's a real it's a real thing because because that's what I mean. Like, look, I was just in on a job I didn't I didn't get. And, right. and, and they ask me all the time, like, why do you want to do this? It's like, because the experience I had in college is what I want for 13 scholarship athletes every year. Those are my brothers. Those are my best friends. They're from all over the country, all over the world. That's what I want. 
Okay. I want, just like you said with your assistants, I, I just want to help kids experience what I experienced or a token of what I experienced. Nope. And I think there's a lot more people, but again, what, whatever we've done as a basketball culture yep. has taken it away from it. You, you know, the best way to answer this, Doug, is this, and I'm, and I'm not perfect, man, by any means. So I'm not pointing a finger or saying I'm better than anybody else. But I think two things have to happen. And I think he, like, like administrators have to give, they have to have to put a, a, a value more value they have to put more value on like they say our right, higher education and we're trying to like this is what it's about but the way they hire these days doesn't equate to that right and not only the way they hire but even the way you know the time that they give doesn't equate to that and again i get it people want a winner okay i get that part of it but there are only a handful of places that have go back to what we talked about at AM that have the resources and the things you need to be able to flip it like that. It's only a handful of places that can do that. And but there are more jobs out there that man, you know, I, I keep telling people, man, it's like the law of the farm, right? It's like, man, you gotta plant the seeds, you gotta water it, cultivate it to reap that harvest. Man, the crop doesn't grow in a in in in, in a month. You know, like it just doesn't. And when you, right? and when you so, try and cheat, the, and when you try and cheat those steps, that's when you get all, yeah. all the issues. Yeah, no question. And so, so like this is nothing against like like Kroger, right? But it's the reason why people in Atlanta or or around the country are gonna go to Whole Foods because the the the, the product at Whole Foods, you know, it's been grown properly, you know, and it's taking time, and you're gonna get a a really good piece of fruit or vegetable, whatever it may be. You know, compared to if you go to the Piggly Wiggly, right <laughs> down down the street or whatever it is, and so I, I think it's the same way. And so I think the way you know we get to that is by you know the people that are in these positions to hire. You know, they they've got to stop trying to win the press conference, right, and be about what they say they're about in higher education, you know, and in collegiate sport. Because at the end of the day, you know these these young men and these young women, um, and we say I could even say kids, man, like they're at a very impressionable stage in their life when they get to us. And it's going to go one way or another. You know, they're either going to fall in love even more with getting better with the game and they'll learn life through the game, or they're going to be like, man, all this dude care about or all she cares about is, you know, how many points I score or the percentage I shoot. And if I don't do what she or he wants me to do, then I'm on the outs. Very transactional relationship. Very yeah. transactional relationship. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, all right, I want, I want you to do some a little exercise for me. Yep. You're walking out to the court in Greensboro tomorrow. Yep. And let's just pretend for a second your pops is there, and he grabs you and pulls yeah. you aside right before you walk out to be with your yep. team. What would he say? Coach, the response. Right. What's that mean? So, you know, it's the old saying: it's not about what happens, but how we respond. Right. And I think like going back to my first year, I got I coached way too much what happened right to where they couldn't move on, you know, and my dad was my first coach. And I can remember vividly him saying, like, I miss a layup. Man, next play. Stop hanging your head. <laughs> like I could hear him saying it. Um, and so I think if I'm walking out, if I'm walking out to that court tomorrow, 
And he grabbed me. He said, "Now I'm not. I'm not a junior, right? But like, if you would have saw my dad, like we, we resemble each other." And he he said, "Junior, coach the response. They ain't about what happens, but how we respond." And you know, March is great, man. Right? And things are gonna happen tomorrow. Good things are gonna happen. You still got to coach that response. It's still, hey, hey, great job. But next play, man. All right, next play. We're gonna turn the ball over at some point. We're gonna miss a shot we normally make. Hey, man. Good shot. Next play, man. Next play. Because I know if if those guys can get focused on what's next, the thing they've done all year, Doug, and these dudes have responded all year, no matter what happened, they've responded. And so I think that's the message he get to me, and then he say, hey, go have fun with it. And that's what I'm going to do, man. Well, Coach, response, uh, have fun with it. And I am honored that the night before your first NCAA tournament game, first of many, you spent it with me, and uh, I, I can't wait to see you guys against Xavier tomorrow. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's let's catch up soon in person. Absolutely, Doug. Thanks for having me on, man. This was awesome, man. I've watched your show. I've watched these a number of times, man. They're always fun. It's it's like because you can you talk it right, like you talk the game, you talk you talk life, you talk the business. Like you know, it's an authentic it's an authentic conversation, man. I just appreciate. Well, it. we're we're all in, we're all in the people business, yes. right? And we all love hoop. And yep. we all, I think most of us love kids and love the journey. Yep. And if you just share that, you just share your story. Like yep. people get to know you, they get to love you because you become real to them. Yeah, no, you're not I, just, you know, I just Amir Abdul Rahim. No doubt, man. I've been telling people have been texting me like, hey, man, I know you're busy. And I'm like, no, nah, man. Like, yeah, I'm preparing, but which, like, what, these are people I talk to every day. Like, no, nah, man, like, I got time to call you. You know what I mean? So when you when you sent it, I'm like, man, no, nah, like I can do it. Like I ain't gonna do nothing but go up to the room anyway. My son gonna be kicking me in the back for an hour trying to fall asleep. <laughs> so I might as well just see if he can fall asleep before I get up there, man. And this is a really cool conversation, and I appreciate you having me on, man. Pleasure's mine. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. How good was that? How much do you want to see his team play and hope his team wins? Unless you're an X fan, unless you're a Xavier fan, I'm guessing right now you're thinking, man, I'd really like to see Kennesaw win a game as I listen to that uh, that conversation. My thanks to Amir for joining me. My thanks for Kennesaw State for allowing that, that to happen. My the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 5 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. And remember, there are hundreds of these conversations in all ball. If you just want to go back and look, there are hundreds of them. And we're going to try and line up even more in the days to come as this tournament goes on. Because it, it's really about it's really about the people. It's really about the players. It's really about the coaches, but about their stories. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for Fox Sports Radio's Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. 
Once you fill out your bracket, you're entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any Graduate Hotels location. It's sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.